Hello, and welcome to Reclamation, a Naomi Wright Ministries initiative. I am Naomi, and this is a deep dive response to my conversation with Justin and Ashley, which just released in two parts, part one and part two. And if you have not listened to those yet, you'll still be able to follow along with this episode, but I highly recommend that you go back and check them out. They, those two episodes were so so loaded. They are very full and rich, and there is so much in there to learn from. I actually prepped to some degree, at least three to four different responses to their episode in this process, because it was really difficult to pick one to choose what comment or what experience they had to respond to. Um, again, there's just, there was so much there. So again, please check it out. I will link both parts in the show notes below. So it's super easy for you to go back and look. I'll also link some information on what Justin and Ashley are currently up to. They just, well, at the time that I'm recording this anyway, they just picked up their RV and they are setting out for an entire year, the two of them and their son on Justin's journey of finding the meaning of life. And so I'm going to connect you in various ways. If you want to check out what they're doing and follow along, that should include them actually parking in our backyard. We're hopeful that will work out uh, for about a week at some point when they land in Colorado. So maybe we'll have some fun bonus material at that point. So stay tuned. What I've decided to talk about today is a statement that Justin made almost towards the end of the entire interview. So it's about 39, 40 minutes into part two. He stated that, quote, people dupe themselves into worldviews based on essentially nothing. And I never want to be that guy. And if you heard him say this, or if you go back and you listen to him say this, he said it very passionately. He said it with a lot of conviction and determination, as well as from a place of I just can't have this happen again. And I refuse to allow this to happen to me again. I want to break down what Justin said a little bit to make sure we're on the same page. Dupe means to deceive or to trick. I don't know if that word is still hip or not, but obviously in mine and Justin's generation, we at least used it. Um, So just to clarify that in case you're unfamiliar. So he never wants to be deceived or tricked into a worldview based on basically nothing. So based on no real roots to it, no real facts to back it up. People get duped in two ways. One, people can dupe themselves. I can believe something for some reason because I want to believe it. I desire to believe it. It serves me in some way. For example, I have a pretty strong dairy allergy. This is going to be kind of a lighthearted example. I have a pretty strong dairy allergy and I love the spicy chicken deluxe sandwich at Chick-fil-A. I can't eat that. I shouldn't eat that. I also have a gluten intolerance. Not as bad, but I have that too. So the sandwich in general is not a good idea. It's not Naomi approved. But whenever my husband goes to Chick-fil-A and he orders it, he's inevitably driving because our son's in the backseat and he doesn't want to have to deal with our son in the backseat. So I'm driving so that I can be available to him. The pro to that is that Michael hands me the bag when he goes through the drive-thru. So I get the bag, which means I have first access to everything in the bag. So I pull out the sandwich. I put 
the Chick-fil-A sauce on there for him because I'm such a kind wife, you know? But really, it's because I want the Chick-fil-A sauce in the bite that I'm about to take. <laughs> so I have my token bite. I consider that my payment for being in the passenger seat and not just, you know, driving and enjoying that piece. And I hand him a sandwich. I take that bite wanting to believe that it's going to be fine. And I want to believe it's going to be fine because I love that sandwich and I want a bite. It's never really fine though. I always react to dairy. I never get away with it, so to speak. And so my desire to believe that it's fine, my want to believe that it's fine, isn't based on anything. It's based on absolutely nothing and it falls short. People can also dupe themselves because they need to believe for some reason. And I would add that it may not even be that they really truly need to believe it. It's that they believe that they need to believe it. There are times when I have held on to a belief because I needed in that moment because of my emotional maturity or my emotional capacity at the time based on everything else going on, I needed to protect myself from a harmful truth or a harmful reality. I needed to hold on to it for the time being. An example of this would be after my dad passed away, having believed that he could not and would not die I held on to the belief that he had not really died and he would return. We did not do anything. Well, let me clarify that. We did have his body after several hours taken to a funeral home, but that we then held for three days to see if he was going to be resurrected. I needed to believe that that was going to be true and that that was going to happen because if it did not, then I had a huge hole in my worldview And I didn't know how to reconcile that. So I needed to believe that our worldview is still true. So that's another reason that people can dupe themselves. They want to believe it for some reason, or they believe that they need to believe it for some reason. People can also be duped by someone else. In this example, we tune into what Justin and Ashley spoke about. So someone can dupe someone else, they can deceive or trick someone else because the other person is in a place of trust for some reason. So Ashley spoke of her mentor back in the unhealthy experience that she and Justin had. Her mentor would tell a truth, a truth, and then a lie would sneak in, and then there'd be a truth, a truth, another lie would sneak in. They already trusted this person though. They already had a trusted relationship. They already looked up to him. They held him in high esteem. They desired to exemplify characteristics that he had. They had put him in a place of authority. And because of those things, it was they were set up in such a way to be deceived by him. When we're deceived by someone, we oftentimes find later that we agreed with that person or with that group without thorough questioning, without really doing our research, doing our homework, without critically thinking things, and without going with that gut feeling we can get sometimes of that doesn't feel quite right. 
And Justin and Ashley spoke to this as well. It doesn't feel quite quite right, but I can't fully pinpoint it. And all of this stuff is right and true. And so we can write it off as if that person just knows better than we do. That person's more educated, they're wiser, they're more spiritual, whatever it may be. Circumstances can also play a role. For example, in Ashley's experience, she was perfectly positioned because of what was going on with her own father, because of the loss she was going through with her own dad's decline. And so this man was in just the right spot at just the right time to be able to take advantage of the situation. As heartbreaking and horrible and disgusting as that is, that is what happened. And this is what happens for people. There are minor ways that this can show up in people's lives where someone is duped by someone else. You know, we're talking about these really big ways. I want to give you just a a more minor day-to-day example that is still upsetting. It's frustrating, but it's not as significant. An example I have from my own life is getting taken advantage of by a mechanic. It's unfair. It's unethical, but I don't know everything about my car. I can feel when there's something wrong with it. I can feel it in the driving that something's off. I can tell by different noises, like generally the area of what could be going on. I learned enough from my mom to know some basics. I'm not totally unaware, but I, I could not fix my own car. So I have so much that I don't know. The mechanic is in a great position to take advantage of me. They could dupe me if they choose to. And I've had that happen. And it's very frustrating. Now, I do have some power and control in that, though. I could decide I'm going to get several different opinions. I'm going to take the information they're giving me, as well as the information I have based on how the car's driving, and I'm going to research to the best of my ability myself. I'm going to go take a class on mechanics for my car. Um, I did actually get a book. I can't remember what it's called. If I can find it, I will link it for you, for anyone who is interested. But it's like a handbook for people who don't know much about their vehicles to just give them the basics to be able to have an intelligent conversation and feel like they have some idea of what they're doing and what they're talking about. But this puts me in a perfect position to be taken advantage of. And to be honest, I don't have the desire. I don't have the interest. I'm not a mechanic because I'm not interested. I don't really care about it. It's not my thing. So I don't want to take a lot of time to investigate. I would rather trust the person and just hope all goes well. That sets me up great to be taken advantage of. Worldview is a major way that this shows up. And of course, this is the example we're talking about now. And the example we'll continue to talk about in this podcast, because every one of us on this podcast, myself included, as well as all of my guests have been duped by someone into a worldview that was untrue. In this regard, we believe because we're told by someone in authority. And like I've mentioned in regards to Ashley's statement, maybe someone who exemplified characteristics that we want to be more aligned with ourselves. It's like, I respect you. I look up to you. I want to be more like you. So I put you in a position of authority on my own. There are some people in our lives who truly are in a position of authority by default. When I was a child, my parents were in a position of authority. There wasn't a whole lot I could do about that. As an adult, There are less people in a position of authority in my life. We have obviously 
legal people. We have, you know, people like police officers and things like that who can be in a position of authority. We have the president of the United States and Congress who are, you know, elected officials into positions of authority. I also put people in positions of authority. I can say, I really look up to that person. I'm going to place them in this position in my own mind and in my own life, because I want to learn from them and I want to be more like them. That gives them the ability to take advantage if I do that without my due diligence, or if I stop with my due diligence and I stop asking questions and I stop challenging and I stop critically thinking about things myself, then I am putting myself in a position to be duped by someone else. So again, two ways that being duped by someone else shows up, there's minor ways in our day-to-day and then worldview is a major way. And this can happen by someone being in a position of authority naturally or by us putting them in a position of authority ourselves. Even when I look up to someone, it's good to be curious and not to simply believe or agree with them. It's good to wonder. I should never feel afraid to ask questions. I should never be afraid to desire understanding and to desire the truth. Matthew 11, two through six in the New Testament gives an excellent example of this. Um, It's an example I really, really love because I think it's such a strong example. In Matthew 11, John the Baptist, who was in prison at the time and was awaiting what ultimately would be his beheading, heard about the deeds of Jesus and sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one is who is to come or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. John the Baptist is the man who baptized Jesus himself. And we know in scripture that when Jesus came up out of the water, the spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove and God spoke out and said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And John saw this happen. And still later on down the line, he is in prison and he is questioning the truth of who Jesus is. Are you the Messiah? And Jesus does not respond. You should know the answer to this. You should know better. You were there when this happened. You were positioned to be the person who would be a part of my my journey on earth in this way. How do you not know this? He didn't respond that way. He accepted the question and he responded with the evidence. Report what you have, what you hear and what you see. Report what you have heard and what you have seen. And then he lists off what has happened. That is such a great example of the permission we have from God to ask questions, to want the evidence, and to ensure that we are well equipped and rooted and solid in our faith. I have been instructed to become rooted and built up, as stated in Colossians 2.7. 
I want to be rooted and built up so that I can't easily be blown over by the lightest breeze, let alone when suffering is raining down upon me and my family. If I'm not rooted, I don't have evidence for my beliefs. I don't have a defense for my faith. I haven't grown and matured in my faith. That's more of the built up part. If I don't have that, then I'm very much at risk of being deceived, of being tricked, of being duped by somebody, especially when I'm in a vulnerable state of suffering. I am then positioned well for someone to dupe me into something that is untrue. This process of being curious, then rooted and built up does two things for us. First, it minimizes our potential to be duped. It's much harder to be duped by someone whose beliefs have been considered and investigated. It also grounds us in the truth that we've found. So again, we are less likely to be lied to by someone and believe it. I want to pause briefly and talk about truth itself. This is really a whole topic in and of itself. It's a big one, but I want to pause for anyone who's listening and is kind of hung up on the use of the word truth and is thinking, I don't know if I'm even on board with that. So I don't know if I can, you know, follow along with her with the rest of what she's saying. So let's just take a few minutes and do some, some basic, um, talking about truth. First, truth cannot simply be what I think or what I feel because these two things can change. How I feel about something right now could be different than how I feel about something tomorrow because I've continued to process it through and my emotions can change. Same with what I think about something. I could think something right now and then think about it more and talk to a couple people and change how how I think and change my response. So these two things can change, but truth cannot. I oftentimes hear talk about my truth and your truth, especially in my, uh, my background as a social worker. This is pretty common. And I want to talk about the example of moral relativism. Moral relativism, an example of this would be saying you cannot force your morality on others. So this statement in and of itself forces the speaker's moral code onto me. So it's what's called self-refuting. If that person's opinion that they cannot force their morality on others and that I cannot force my morality on others, if that person's statement is true, then I could simply just disagree with that statement. And the person who said it would just be cool with me disagreeing if they actually believe it themselves. So Overall, relativism may cause less confrontation or disagreements, but so does turning your head when you witness something that's wrong. And that doesn't mean that it's correct to do it that way. It doesn't mean that's the best way to handle the situation. If I see a child being mistreated and I turn my head and I walk away, yes, that that avoids confrontation and disagreement, but it doesn't mean that it's ethical behavior. When someone says you cannot force your morality on others, they're forcing their morality on me. And even though that may serve in some circles, it doesn't mean that it's actually a sound argument and that it's actually logical and it makes sense. So again, this is an example of a statement that is self-refuting. Another common self-refuting statement is there is no such thing as truth. Again, if that statement is true, then it also negates itself. That statement cannot be true and its contents also be true. It's inconsistent, it's illogical, and that's impossible. 
I also hear talk of my experience, your experience. There is more room here because how I experienced a situation and how someone else experienced a situation could be different because we're different people. We process things differently. We have different lenses through which we look at the world. And so my experience of something could be different than someone else's experience of something. I could talk with the same person that my husband's talking with and come away from the conversation feeling very hesitant about what happened, not feeling at peace, not feeling good about it. And he could come away and be like, wow, that was fire. (laughs) Um, And again, it's neither of us is, is necessarily wrong. We are experiencing the conversation in a different way because we're different people. With that though, my interpretation of this experience may be less accurate than his, based on the facts. It's possible that that conversation we both had with this mutual person was fire. It was good. It was a strong conversation. It was a motivating conversation. But because of my life experience, there were certain things that were said that were maybe triggering for me, or maybe um, I ended up projecting something on that person that was untrue. So it doesn't mean that both of us are really accurate in our experiences. One person could be more accurate based on the facts than the other person, but it doesn't mean that the experience is null and void and it doesn't matter. It's important to know what our experiences are and how we do feel about things. I have learned to know that how I feel about something may not be where I want to stay because it might be an area for growth. And I might have a response to something because it's an area that I need to grow in and it's an area I need to tend to. Yet someone could not tell me that the experience I had did not happen. It did happen. It just might not be the most appropriate response to the situation. I'm going to leave our conversation of truth there for now. But again, this is a really big conversation. It's a really important conversation. It's incredibly foundational. So I will link a resource in the show notes for this topic as well, in case you want to do kind of some intro research on your own. In your search for truth, I want to offer a few additional considerations as you move forward. One, someone cannot be duped into believing something that is actually true. If it's actually true, you cannot be deceived or tricked into believing it. However, trickery could be involved in the method of sharing truth. So for example, if you tell your friend that you're taking him to the game on Sunday and then you show up to tr- or show up to church instead, I mean, first of all, that's not good. That's poor form. Don't do that. <laughs> Nobody likes that. Um, if they actually go inside and they hear some truth that is spoken, that's great. But the method that was used was deceitful. I don't recommend it. And in fact, it, it probably... Um, would blow up. Most likely the person probably wouldn't go in or they wouldn't trust you anymore, even though they heard something that potentially changed their life. So even though someone can't be duped into believing something that's actually true, despite potentially the method being deceitful of sharing that truth, someone can believe something true for no good reason. And that's still concerning because let's go back to that rooted and built up example that's not rooted. That's not an example of being rooted. 
if I believe something because I've just been told it, even if it is true, I'm not solid in it. Someone could challenge me. I could go off to college and have a bunch of new friends and be having all of these new situations that I find myself in. And I hear people talking about different things in different ways. I'm like, wow, yeah, that sounds good. Or, ooh, that could be right. Um, man, maybe they're just more woke than I am. I'm very much at risk for that because I'm not rooted in facts and research and science and apologetics and wise counsel. I am kind of going along with whatever I'm being told by other people. And so if the people I'm around changes, then I'm probably just going to go along with what they're saying. And I'm sure you can see where that could lead, could lead to a lot of different places throughout a lifetime. I also want to point out this idea of secondary issues. Not every area that we investigate to figure out truth warrants as much attention as others. So the attention we I would recommend giving to different issues is not equal. And secondary issues is an area that is unequal to, say, investigating the gospel itself or investigating the resurrection itself, the truth of Christ, um, investigating uh, the accuracy of scripture, doing um, some literary research there. Something like infant baptism is classified as a secondary issue. And which side of the coin you land on isn't going to impact your salvation. It's not one of those deal breaker issues. When we talk about the creeds, and I'll link one of those below too, if you're not familiar, um, it's really great to take a look at it. Super quick read. It'll take a few minutes if that. Those are those main issues of the Christian faith. Those are the really important ones. Those are the ones that unify all of the different denominations. These secondary issues are the ones that create all the different denominations. And again, it's it's kind of a, a no harm, no foul area. It's sort of a, a neutral category is how I would explain it, where it doesn't matter where you land. And I'll, I'll state why in a second. But it's again, it's not a deal breaker. So it's not something I would spend a whole lot of time on. There are some issues that are a bit more gray. And if they're gray, it's because they're not as important to your walk with Christ. The reason it does still matter is because my belief system should be internally consistent. I should have a set of beliefs that do not contradict one another. So they all play nicely together. They all make sense together. This makes me think of those SAT exam questions where it'll have four four items and you have to choose which item doesn't belong. And you have to see the similarities in three and then how the fourth one does not align with those other three. It reminds me of that. If I look at all of my beliefs and one sticks out, it's like, well, this can't be true. This doesn't fit with these other beliefs. If this belief is true, these other beliefs cannot be true, or this other one belief cannot be true. Well, then I would have to look at those two and see which one actually has the most substantial evidence. Where do I land on it? And then I'd have to alter the other one. And that's where sometimes these secondary issues come in. So if I say that 
I believe in infant baptism, I want to make sure, or if I don't believe in infant baptism, either way, I want to make sure that that isn't in contradiction with another belief that I hold. I want them all to play nicely in the sandbox. As we think through all of this, I want to go back to Justin's statement. People dupe themselves into worldviews based on essentially nothing, and I never want to be that guy. This is so important because it is a true statement, and many of us have lived this in our own lives in various ways. Avoiding deceit or trickery is one of my primary motivators for these deep dive episodes, this one and the future ones coming up. It is absolutely imperative to me that none of you listening are ever duped. I never want to be duped again. I never want any of you to have that experience who have not had it. And anyone who has had it, I never want you to be re-victimized. I never want you to have the experience again. When you find truth and you proclaim it, I want you to hold on to it and know it to such a deep level that it can not be taken away from you because otherwise it can be. In Matthew 13, 18 through 23, specifically in Matthew 13, 21, the author states, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. An example of trouble is false teachers. When false teachers come and we're not rooted, we may only last a short time and then quickly fall away. Please continue to follow along. Share this podcast and our website, NaomiWrightMinistries.com. Share that with people that you know. And let's change this narrative for ourselves and for future generations. Thank you so much for joining me.